Like I honestly felt like I was on a perpetual treadmill where I couldn't get off and I felt I felt stuck and I really had to wrap my head around that like this is not the end of the road for you. There is an ending for you. It wasn't IVF. It wasn't IUIs. It wasn't embryo donation, but it's going to be egg donation. Two years ago, at six months pregnant, we lost our baby girl to an undetected external infection. And what has followed took us down a path we could never have predicted. You know, I was used to getting pregnant quickly and unassisted. The infertility journey came as a surprise. No one talked to me about getting my ovarian reserve tested. You know, no one told me that just because I got pregnant easily with my first and my second, it it didn't mean that I could expect the same with my third or fourth for that matter. I thought IUIs were a for sure thing. I thought IVF was a one month process and that that's just the physical part. All these assumptions were incorrect, but why would I know any better? I'm Emily Getz and this is the Day One Podcast, a show dedicated to the unspoken side of fertility. Here I share my story and bring together moms, dads, parents to be, doctors, specialists and healers to help break stigmas, normalize the conversation. Let's bring education to the forefront and most importantly, build a community so the journey doesn't feel so lonely. Can you guys believe we're on episode 20? I cannot believe it. It has been an unbelievable ride, and the guest for today is perfect for episode 20. She has been following day one since day one. And when we started to connect and she spoke about her story, I asked if she would be open to coming on and she said yes, which is so amazing because that has been a huge reason as to why Day One exists is just to create a safe platform for people to want to share and um and that's what has happened today. So we welcome Dana Bluefarb um, to the podcast. And her episode is entitled, There's an End. Um, she has gone through almost everything and um, is really, I think, and she thinks at the end. And um, this is sort of the path for her. Uh, and it's just really... Um, it is really inspiring to hear from someone who's gone through so much to easily state that um, you need to believe that there is an end and um, continue to have hope. Get ready to listen to a story full of everything from miscarriage to IUIs to conversations around embryo adoption Um This is a great guest to celebrate episode 20, so enjoy. Dana, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I feel um, that you and I have become besties without meeting each other over the past couple months, eh? It's crazy. Like when, honestly, when day one launched, I was like, thank God there's something that I can just have and watch and listen to and know that I'm really not alone like 
you you saying that means so much to me because that was like that that's the reason it exists really is I you do it's such an isolating experience regardless of your story it's just what I find what I find really hard about fertility is you can you can't compare your story to anyone they're so different everybody's story is so different and even if you had like all of the exact same issues as someone else you don't have the same body as someone else so then you're still isolated from them like even if you want to google your your issue oh dr google is like everything everything but the problem with it is like yeah you, me too but i can i can reach for it but they don't have my body in the end it's the craziest there's so many different stories like <sighs> there's just so many different stories and like it's funny because i've met so many people who are on the same journey but there's always something different on their journey that I learn about and that I understand. And, you know, I'm able to kind of sit back and really just appreciate everybody's story for what it is and, and know that I'm not the only person that's going through this. Yeah. It, storytelling is so important and I always say say this too it's like even sharing if you can with your immediate family it it takes a bit of a weight off your shoulders too you know it's like I never want people to think I'm advocating for like tell the world your fertility story Mm -hmm. but when there's a podcast or there's other people public people speaking about it in your own way you feel heard which I think and seen which I think is so important in this journey um so you know we you keep talking about um the same story as you and when you told me everything you've gone through I was like you have to sorry see I don't want to say you have to share your story I was like are you open to sharing your story because I think every guest that comes on you're doing that what day one and all the guests on day one has done for you you're about to do for other listeners and so I just want to say thank you I know this is the first time you're sharing this it's like and my I, coming out story <laughs> it really is it really is and um because a lot of your friends and family this is going to be the first time that they hear really like the behind the scenes the nitty-gritty of like what it is so where do you think the best place for us to start would be I think the beginning okay um, we'll open the book okay okay um, chapter one chapter one <laughs> let's go back so my husband and I got married in December 2017. Um, we were very naive in the sense of like, oh my gosh, we're going to try and get pregnant like right away. It's going to happen. And sure enough, I got pregnant in March 2018. And it was a total surprise. Um, I took a test and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. Like, this is it. We're going to have a baby in nine months. And little did I know that a few weeks later, I would have what's called um, a chemical pregnancy. So I kind of had in the back of my mind, like, ah, I can get pregnant. We'll try again next month. Next month came, didn't get pregnant. Next month, didn't get pregnant. And it got to a point where it was almost a year. And we were trying. Well, that's what they tell you to do, right? Yeah. Which is also wrong information. 100%. Yeah, yeah. For anybody listening, (laughs) don't wait that long. Um, And so 
I kind of sat down with my husband and said to him, I think we need to seek medical intervention just to see if everything's okay. So went to a clinic, got like all the required blood work, all the tests, everything, came back, said, you're perfectly healthy. Let's do cycle monitoring. Great. Did cycle monitoring. Nothing happened. Did four IUIs. Nothing happened. And then we had the conversation of IVF. And so when we had that conversation, in the back of my mind, I was like, perfect, we'll do IVF. It'll work out. Yep, I hear that story. (laughs) And so we kind of took a few weeks to decide if like that's what we really wanted to do. And then the pandemic hit right when we were going to start IVF literally four days before so we're like this is a sign (laughs) let's not do it we have to wait like it's just another roadblock and so we're like what else is there to do during the pandemic right let's try and make a baby (laughs) and sure enough I got pregnant which was a total fluke um and at that time I think all of the healthcare systems were so overwhelmed that I couldn't get into the clinic because they were only seeing patients that were finishing up their cycles and who were still pregnant, which is understandable. Um, And then again, had a chemical pregnancy. Oh my God. So having a pandemic and going through that and while working, I kind of was like, something's not right. I was feeling something's not right. This isn't supposed to be happening. Um, And then we ended up doing IVF in July. We ended up with eight eggs retrieved. All eight were mature. They fertilized. And we ended up with four embryos. Yay. Yeah. And like, which to anyone listening or anyone that's gone through it is like, that's a great amazing like percentage rate yeah amazing yeah and you're like great it was IVF that we were meant to do exactly yeah and then we had the conversation with our doctor do we test or do we not and she said listen you know you're healthy there's really nothing wrong with you let's just try to do a transfer so we did our first transfer in September 2020 I got the call that I was pregnant but the beta was like really really low so the beta is the hcg for those who are listening that don't know um was really low and they said most likely you're gonna miscarry and so i was like also i just want to stop there because that's i i feel like they shouldn't say that i know they're trying to prep you but i've had two people in my life that have had very low hcgs and they are almost about to have their baby so i get it like they want to prep but also um for those listening like it doesn't always mean that. And I think the clinics can sometimes Well, scare. I went into panic mode. And yeah. I went on to Dr. Google and I started searching, being like low HCG outcomes, like what All happens. Yeah. And my husband was like, stop, like just take a breath and kind of, you know, wait and see what happens. And sure enough, it happened. Um, Chemical? Again. Yeah. And then yeah. quickly we decided we're going to do another... Um, transfer in October we did another transfer it didn't take and so then my doctor said let's do 
some more testing. So they did what's called an RPL panel. So it's recurrent pregnancy loss panel. It's a whole bunch of different blood work. Um, I actually got flagged for something called APS. So it's called antiphospholipid syndrome. It's basically a blood clotting disorder that can also inhibit um, implantation, Hmm. which I had no idea. And who really knows that you would have this if you don't have the testing? Also, it's like, cool, cool. I could have gotten this blood work like two years ago. But But you never know, right? Like you never know. know. I know. There has to be some advocacy around, like, um, educating GPs, don't you think? I feel like there should be not even just a standardized test. I feel like there should be, when you're starting your fertility journey or if you want to have kids, there should be some sort of testing that you do before to make sure that, like, you don't have PCOS, you don't have endometriosis, you don't have, like... There's so many things that you can do to prepare yourself Low AMH. Better. You don't exactly. have whatever that you have, which I've never heard of before. Like, oh, I have, but I didn't know that that's what it was. Yeah, like why? Anyways, we could spend the rest of our time talking about this. <laughs> Carry on. So we did another transfer. It didn't work. And then we did all of this testing. And then we were kind of just in limbo in December. And then we got a call one afternoon saying that a funded cycle came up. And we're like, sign us up. Perfect. This is like a sign. Have you done do. all your transfers? Have you used all, all four so embryos? So one embryo was left okay, from okay. that batch. Okay. Um, and so we said, okay, like let's just bulk and then we can send for testing. So I had a really, I wouldn't call it unsuccessful retrieval, but I remember when the nurse and I was coming to, she came and she's like, did they tell you how many eggs you got? And I was like, no. And she said five. And I felt... Like, I felt my heart kind of just, like, sink. And I was like... Because how many follicles did you have? I want to say 10 or 11. Again, like, there's no education around... I I did not know until this round that it didn't mean there are eggs in your follicles. Did, like, obviously you didn't either, right? I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. And I kind of was thinking, like, oh, I have 10 or 11 follicles. I'm I'd be the 10 exact or 11 same. Eggs. Better result than the first time. Yeah. But... That wasn't the case and I kind of, my heart sank and I was so loopy and I called my husband and I was like, we only got five and he's like, that's okay. He's like, it's better than like nothing, right? Totally. He's like, you have to look at the positive and aside from that, like he's so supportive in that sense that he always tries to find the positive in what's happening. Um, Sometimes you're just like cave dude though. Like this is still shit. It's like right? let me have my like, <laughs> yeah disappointment. <laughs> like I'm I, sometimes I'm like I understand, but like also let's bring her down a level. Bring her down and let me be depressed yeah. and sad. And, yeah. yeah, but yes, great husband support. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of just did that, and and we said like you know because I've had these losses, let's just send them for testing, and so. You know, we were told that like at least one or two would come back normal. You got five eggs and how many did you get at the end of that cycle? Four. That's great too, right? So four plus the one from the first retrieval got sent. So we were like, okay, we have to have like at least one or two. And then we had a call scheduled, a Zoom call. And then I remember the look on my doctor's face. And I just knew that like the result was not great. Um, none of them came back normal and she was like talking through like what, you know, I guess like not even the grading, but the numbers that it was. 
And I remember thinking like, this is it. Like, I can't do this again. I came to that point where... I feel like that's when we met. Yeah. Right around that time, right? Yeah. When I think you were like, I'm... This is my story, but like, I'm yeah. done. I can't. Like, I, I couldn't... Physically and emotionally, I couldn't put myself through it anymore. And just the disappointment of it really kind of sank in. And I didn't want to have that disappointment again. And so, you know, we had a long conversation, Matt and I, um, about next steps. We looked at adoption. Um, and for a lot of people that don't know, I am adopted. Um, it's like the greatest gift my parents could have given me. And I've had such a fantastic life and fantastic parents. Um, we looked into it and just, I think people think that like, you can just adopt a baby within like a month or two months. But the process is between 18 to 36 months. And we're not young. And we don't really want to wait that long. And so we started to look at other options. We looked into embryo adoption. We started to really look at egg donation. Um, and it, I don't want to say we were really gung-ho for it at first. But it grew on us the more we read about it and the more we researched and talked to our clinic side note we switched clinics after we had um the failed I, I wouldn't call it a fail cycle but a failed cycle the failed cycle <laughs> yeah so or we, a, lear a learning cycle yeah we just we felt you know that we needed to break up and that's okay like I think a lot of people you know need to understand that it's okay to break up with your clinic and go a different route. Like, it's okay. You don't have to stay there if you're not happy and you want to try something different. It's okay. Yeah, I broke up with mine. Like, hardcore. Yeah. I, like, ghosted them. It's a hard breakup. Yeah. Right? Or they ghosted me. I don't know. It... <laughs> <laughs> she ghosted me for sure. But don't... Yeah, I agree. And that comes back to like advocacy and what you want and feeling confident and um, having your, like uh, someone said this once and I, I really liked it too, which was the doctors not technically should be at the top of the pyramid. It should be flipped, you know? Exactly. Um, and so you, you got a fresh point of view. You looked into egg donorship, which makes a lot of sense. Um, and you guys, what, were like, we're in. It took us a while to kind of decide what we wanted to do. And we really took time to kind of have a conversation of, you know, if we do egg donor, what is it going to look like? And truthfully, we didn't know a lot about it. Like, we really didn't know a lot about it. And so went on to Dr. Google again. Um, and it's a great, it's a really amazing thing where there's individuals that give up their eggs for various reasons, whether it be they get, you know, financial for it or they want to help other people start a family. Um, and we really, we really liked that. And so we started to look at um, egg donation through our clinic. Um, and we found a great company. And we found our donor. <laughs> like, it's literally... Your face. fertility tinder like <laughs> I felt like fertility tinder like there's 
bios that you look and it has everything from their family history, um, their artistic ability, their, you know, physical fitness, um, their interests, their dislikes, foods. It's literally fertility Tinder and you either give a check mark or you give an X um, and they go really quickly. Like I would find donors that morning and tell my husband like that evening, oh my gosh, I found a donor and we'd look online and they'd be gone. Your face, I just want to tell you, <laughs> your face is like lit up just talking about this, like your energy. And that's when you start to, when you start to feel in your body, you're heading in the right direction. Um, I just wanted to like make you aware that, you know, we have to celebrate or we have to be aware in our, in our journey, the things that light us up because it doesn't happen that often, you know? And, and so I feel like when you're like, and I found the donor, it's like, there's this like glow, you know, where hope comes back. I feel like back. this is where we're supposed to be. I really truly feel like this is where we're supposed to be. And this is like, this is all part of the story, but I feel like this is, this is our story. And can you talk to me a little bit? Like what, what have you learned about egg donorship? So there's two different kinds that you can do. There's fresh where it's literally like an IVF retrieval cycle for someone. Um, and then you get their fresh eggs and they're sent to you or there's frozen donor. So those are people who have already previously donated, they're frozen, and then they send them to the clinic for you. And so what happens is, is the donor eggs with the partner's sperm get mixed together and create embryos. But, you know, what have you learned in terms of the emotional parts of it? And like, what did the clinic or your research say to you that, started to kind of convince you or get you on board or get you excited about it? So in order to do egg donation, you have to have, I guess, a therapy session or um, yeah, a counsel. like a counseling yeah. session yeah. about it to really understand um, what it entails. And again, going back to being adopted, <laughs> I think, you know, all the questions that the counselor asked us um, – I had a different outlook on them. So, you know, the counselor would ask when your child turns, you know, eight or 10 and starts asking questions like, why do I have brown hair and not black hair or blonde hair? Or why do I have green eyes instead of brown eyes? You know, you have to be ready to have that conversation with them. And, you know, thankfully at a young age, my parents were very open about it and told me. And so I feel like I wouldn't have a problem telling our child where they came from and I think it's such an important story to share with them and for them to understand that like mommy and daddy really wanted a baby and really wanted you and this is how we came to have you um it's like I've said this too it's like we didn't make you with um my body made you with my heart and I like love that. I always really love when I hear that in terms of um, donorship or, or adoption. It's like that's 
the truth, like the the want. And I'm not taking away if you if you have. I everyone loves their kids immensely and wanted their all of the things, but there is a certain level of appreciation when you've gone through this type of journey. There just is. It's different. Listen, like it's different taking all the hormones and going through IVF and having the retrieval. And I can sympathize with the person who's donated their eggs. Like I can understand what they went through to donate them and make the decision to donate them. And it's such a gift for someone to be able to give someone else. And we're so appreciative to be like even able to have this opportunity, you know, and I, I just, I think it's, I want people to understand that, you know, just because you're doing egg donation doesn't mean that it's like a bad thing. Like you shouldn't feel bad because you have to do this. You do it because you want to do it and you want to have a baby. Like every day we say like, you know, we want, we want a family. It's not just the baby. We want a family. We want to have kids. Yeah. And you're going to have your baby and look at that baby and be like, this was the baby. Is there, um, has some of this journey been a bit of your loss of genetics? You know, we spoke to Erin, um, and she talks a bit about the grieving of like the genetic part was there a period of time that you went through that or even because the adoption thing it's not as like how where are you at I think you know at first I was kind of like you know you really hold out that hope that you want to have a genetically connected child um but the baby is still going to be genetically connected to me you know like like they're going to be in my womb. I'm going to hopefully give birth to this baby, you know, and they're still connected to my husband. And I think that's really important for him to also feel, you know, part of the process. A lot of men throughout the fertility process get forgotten about. And I think, you know, him being able to participate more in this process really makes a difference. I think that's such a good point. I, I, I have to say, like, as connected as Ev and I are, um, there are days that go by that I just feel like I'm in my own island from it. And I'm not trying to be like that, but I don't know how to de- – like, I don't know how to loop him in because it's such a physical thing um, on on a person that has ovaries. Like, like they it can't, just is. They can't feel, you know – the cramping and the bloating and the hormone, like the ups and downs. And but- the triggers. Like I think, you know, um, Ev, if he wants to choose to not think about this and have a few days of not thinking about it, he he could. Physically, he could. He can. I always bring this up. Everyone thinks we're like the biggest partiers. But it's true. Like <laughs> he can drink. He can smoke. He can. Um, he's, his body is not giving him like a tinge of like, you know, oh, a reminder every fucking day that like you're not pregnant or you're you get triggered for me like on the hormones like it mimics being pregnant and so you have to deal with that that you feel pregnant but you're not every fucking second that you're in this and so there's that distance that you 
could be the most connected, have like the best marriage ever. And there's just nothing you can do about that. Listen, it's been hard. I think it's it's really been hard as a couple to go through this, let alone a normal marriage. Or is There's no such thing as a normal marriage. I shouldn't say that. But like going through fertility really tests you as a couple. And it either makes you or it breaks you. Yes. And, you know, every marriage is dealt a card. Every marriage is going to have a thing. There's just no way that you can't. You're married longer to this person. I mean, if that's whatever, you're, you're, you're go into it thinking you're married longer to this person than you have been single for some, especially if you're in fertility. Yeah. And um, you're going to be dealt something. And I, I, that's what I try to say. Like, this was the, like I say to Eve all the time, I'm like, I can't believe this was the the deck of cards that, that we was, were dealt. Yeah. yeah that we were Like, dealt. I just didn't expect this, you know? Like, um, and who knows what the future brings for sure. But, um, it, like, it's a bit shocking <laughs> to your nobody, point. But nobody ever thinks. Like, you think you're going to get married. Like I said before, you think you're going to get married. You're going to have a kid. You're going to have a family. You live in your white picket fence, but like that's not how it happens for a lot of people. And, you know, I think what you do at day one is share those stories. You know, you never know when you're walking down the street and you see someone, what they're going through. And I think that's like the biggest reason why I wanted to come on here and to share our story and what's going on because, you know, I might be smiling at work and you might think like I'm totally fine and but I'm not like I'm not it's a daily struggle that you know you go through and especially working in education like I'm around kids all day and now it's so every true. day and like it's hard like it's really hard seeing you know people pregnant and people going through starting their families and then I'm kind of just like stuck in this place and I really had to take time to wrap my head around that like their story is their story and my story is my story and your story uh, is you know you're about to you're in the hopeful part of your story right now you know like you've gone through shit and years of disappointment but like I feel this is going to be a turning point for you. It's going to happen. It you know? has to happen. It, like it, it, one hundred, it's done. It's done. You know what I mean? Um, I write, I write in my journal like every morning, like I'm so happy and grateful now that I've delivered a healthy baby in 2022. Like I write it as if it's happened to manifest it. Yeah, you have to manifest it. And I know some people think that can be like a little woo woo, but you. In this journey, like that, you have to have the belief. If the belief is not there, it it is a. I think it's just going to the the road becomes a mountain. You know, like it doesn't become. I always imagine my fertility journey as if I'm like on this um, hike, and then I keep thinking I'm on the right path, and then there's like a fork in a road, and then I I'm I either have to pick which one I'm gonna go, which I don't know which one's better. Or I pick the road and then it's a freaking like, I don't know, sand, like. Sand dude where yeah. you're like sinking. Yeah. You can't get out. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, well, that that wasn't great. Um, 
but it's flat you know what I mean like I can I I can I have endurance like I can keep going but part of the reason I can keep going is because I truly have the belief there's an end like I really really do and I think if you don't have the belief that whole journey for you becomes this massive mountain and now you're going through everything you have to go through but you're fucking up this hill like I honestly felt like I was on a perpetual treadmill yeah like I felt like it was on a perpetual treadmill where I couldn't get off and I felt I felt stuck and I really had to wrap my head around that like this is not the end of the road for you like there is an ending for you it wasn't IVF it wasn't IUIs it wasn't embryo donation but it's going to be egg donation like this is the end for you you are going to have your family you are going to have your baby and like I envision that, you know? I think that people think they're also on a treadmill because they feel alone and they have no one to identify with. You know, like in this journey. Well, I now have you running beside yeah, me. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> but we're off the treadmill now. Now yeah. we're on the road, you know, with like, with Slow like a vision. Walk. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the scenic route. The scenic yeah, route. yeah. And um, nothing amazing happens if there isn't some journey behind it and 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 I I believe that like your life my life it it changes when you go through this stuff but I think in the end for the better and I say in the end because the baby's gonna happen you know maybe not in the way that we all envisioned it to be but it will and like the day you give birth it like it's now even better than if you gave birth two years ago. That's a whole other thing that I have to wrap my head around, right? Like, it's a well, whole other thing. Which part? The birth or the pregnancy? The Both. Both. Yes, but the, the, the pregnancy, it's like you, um, for you, you've had very early pregnancy losses, yeah. right? So, the, yes, the first will be a little, and then you're going to have to fucking celebrate because I'm going to make you celebrate every single part of your pregnancy and every single scan of that pregnancy and every time you get to see the baby because wouldn't it be a shame if you um, went through all of this and then don't enjoy this like awesome nine months? You have to, but I think Especially also with egg donorship, right? I think like also fertility takes a lot away from you. Like it takes the joy and the happiness from things, you know, and I... I think you always ask at the end of your podcast, like, what advice would you give? And I think it's really celebrate the small triumphs and find happiness in things. It's the most important thing because if you can't find happiness in, like, the little things, you're going to struggle. Like, you're really going to struggle and it's, it's not a good place to be in. And I've been there and I know how shitty it feels, but you, you – as you said, like you have to get over that bump and that hump on like that mountain and get on the trajectory and path that you're you're meant to be. That's such good advice. I I said I say, you know, um like I wanna I feel like I wanna get on a mission around these the idea of the celebratory regular celebratory milestone so like you know you get pregnant and then the 12-week announcement and then the gender reveal um you feel when you are going through fertility that you, that's been taken from you but it's only 
been taken from you because society has decided that those are things that you are supposed to be celebrating. Whereas in it would be great if like celebrating, you know, um, just getting pregnant, just the pregnancy in itself and being able to say, not to everyone I understand, but like to some I'm pregnant and and it doesn't need to be, for me at least, I, I'm like, that's not the let's blow up balloons, I'm pregnant moment. It's the like, let's support her. She's going to be in her early. That's the biggest thing. Right? I think a lot of people just don't feel supported. Like I feel there's, it's, it's so cliche, like, yeah, you're 12 weeks pregnant, but like, why don't people announce when they're like six or eight weeks pregnant? Like it's such a huge triumph to like get to that point. I know. And also like, you know, if something does happen, you have that support. Right. But but everyone needs to cut. That needs to be a society change, like a workplace change. Like there's so many, um, we've just been conditioned, you know? And so especially if you've gone through a fertility journey, it's like, there needs to be celebrating that you like found your donor. Like that is a huge moment in your journey. You oh, know? don't worry. We had ice cream that night. <laughs> I'm we like, celebrated. Oh that, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> we celebrated. I was like, I got a McFlurry last night for like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, and, and, and that's the other part too. It's, it's the more educated people become on these different um, ways in which you can build your family, then they're able to understand the different milestone, the, the different milestones based off where you're at in your journey too. You know, like I don't think my friends up until I started day one understood what a big deal a blastocyst was. It's a huge deal. They were like, oh, that's great. And they, not in a, not in a rude way, like they wanted to support, but they didn't actually understand like that is a massive milestone. Um, so like I said, like in my last round, on my second round of IVF, it's like, I felt like it was a pregnancy announcement that we got day seven, which in the end didn't really work out. But like the fact that they hit blast, it was like I was FaceTiming like all my friends being like, it happened. It's a huge milestone. It's a huge milestone. And that's why I'm saying like, you really need to celebrate like the small things that happen. Yes. I think that's great advice. Well, I am... First of all, just grateful for all of your support because I feel like from day one, you Literally. have been my like biggest cheerleader. And and there's been moments where I've been like, oh, did I overshare? Or did I do this? And you've always had my back. And I was so excited to make this happen because these are the stories that need to happen on day one. The real, you know, on boots on the ground like stories like this where you've said and I think you've said it so well in this episode around everyone thinks everyone's having their own little party in their own little time in their white picket fence and like that isn't the, always the case and you're so brave to come on and share thank you and I am now you're gonna have like an army of supporters <laughs> just ready for your baby announcement so we um, hope my fingers are crossed all of my we fingers really and toes are and, crossed you know I I just I said it to you before but what you're doing with day one is just it's changing the conversation and it's making people like me feel comfortable knowing that there's somebody else going through something doesn't have to be the same but who's going through the same journey. I could cry. <laughs> but I'm not a crier, so. 
don't date. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Um, but I'm, you know, there are the type of friendships that you make through this community and you're, you're one of those people for me. So That's I'm so just nice. so happy that you're here and I'm, I'm already imagining my, um, she had a baby I can't, I can't, like, I, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I hope, I really hope. And for you too. Both of us. We'll be on Mount Leaf together. Oh my gosh. And then we can go on our walk. (laughs) Yes. Our straight line, normal (laughs) (laughs) loop of a walk. Oh my gosh. Thanks for coming on. Thank you.